I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, we just have a a few days left until we enter into the season of Lent. Lent is that time uh, that we prepare for Easter. So we have this 40 days of fasting before the 50 days of feasting that comes in Easter. And, And it's 40 days loosely, right? Because we don't count the Saturdays Uh, If you counted the Saturdays, it'd be way more than 40. Uh, There's more than 40 days in between Ash Wednesday and uh, and Easter Sunday. Uh, So, But traditionally, the the Sundays are not counted because Sundays are always in the church uh, a time of feasting uh, because we do Sundays because of the resurrection. So every Sunday is a mini resurrection. And yet... Uh, if you if you take out the Sundays, then you have less than 40, unless you count all the way up to Good Friday, right? But we don't count Good Friday or Monday, Thursday, I believe, because those are part of Triduum and not part of Lent. But loosely, loosely, we say we have 40 days of Lent where we prepare ourselves for Easter that are reminiscent of those 40 days of Christ in the desert and a number of other uh, 40s in Scripture as well. So here we are. We're, we're back uh, at that time where we're getting ready to fast. Now, in the Catholic Church, there are two days that's mandated for every Catholic between the ages of, uh, I think, the ages of 14 and, and 60, uh, or rather between the ages of 18 and 60. Uh, every Catholic has to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, right? And for us, fasting means that you only eat one meal and two other smaller meals that together don't equal one meal. So it's not full-on fasting, you know, Jesus in the desert with nothing to eat, but there is a sense that we are denying ourselves some sustenance. And for everyone over the age of 14, both on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, and then also on the Fridays of Lent, we also abstain from uh, from flesh meat from because Christ gave up his flesh for us. And so uh, that's why you hear the term fish on Fridays. There's a reason for it. Uh, and so that's everyone 14 years of age or older uh, has to abstain from meat. Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, and the Fridays during Lent. And everyone 18 to 59 has to fast uh, for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. So here we are. It's upon us. It's coming this Wednesday. Now you can't say that you didn't know. Uh, we're going to enter into this season of of Lent where we practice fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. So we're going to talk quite a bit more about this today. We're, we're welcoming on the show again uh, Matt Swaim, former, uh, former co-host and co-creator of the Sunrise Morning Show. Currently, he's working with the, uh, the Coming Home Network, uh, chnetwork.org, chnetwork.org. Go take a look at them, see what they're doing there. Uh, but So we're going to be talking about what Lent is, what the purpose of fasting is, uh, and some of his experience. Now, today my kids were, uh, they were talking to me about what they wanted to give up for Lent. Because every year, all of my kids, uh, I want them to, to feel what it's like. So we don't do dessert at all during, during Lent. 
So they give up chocolates and sweets and anything else that would, any uh, desserts after meals. Uh, and so they get a sense, even from when they're very, very little, that, that Lent is a very special, separate time that's different than the rest of the year. And they don't completely understand it, but we want to give them that foretaste of what's to come. So this year, my my two oldest, they've been debating <clears throat> what they're giving up for Lent. Uh, they've decided that they're gonna gonna do this thing. Uh, and so my my uh, my second my second daughter, she is um, uh, zealous. We'll say she's zealous. Uh, she said, "I'm going to give up movies." Now, when she says movies, she means. Uh, anything that comes on the TV because uh, they watch even their TV shows through Netflix and they just call everything movies. So she said, I'm going to give up movies for Lent. And I, I sat there and said, okay, well, you can do that. But you realize that none of your siblings are giving this up. And so what are you going to be doing when, uh, when they're watching the movies? Because you've said that you want to give this up. And, uh, and she said, oh, I want to pray my rosary. I'm going to pray a rosary and a divine mercy chaplet. And she's, she's going through, she's preparing for First Communion right now. So she's just seven years old. And I said, oh, now, okay, but you can't do it in the same room. Oh, no, no. I'm going to go downstairs to the, to the, the little shrine that we have set up. We have a Marian shrine in the, in the living room. I'm going to go down there and pray it. So um, she, this is the daughter who wants to be a nun when she grows up. Uh, and we, frankly, we encourage her to do that because I think it's important that our kids have the option, that they see it, that they understand that it's a, a possibility so that when they get older, they can discern. So right now, uh, she's just absolutely set that she wants to be a teacher and she wants to be a sister. And um, and. She, Given the way she's treating this Lent, it just it just may happen. She may outsaint all of us uh, as she is uh, preparing for this Lent. So I, I'm sitting here trying to figure out what I'm going to give up for Lent because I'm supposed to be a good example for my kids, uh, and this is going to be this is going to be a trick this year. But this year, I think that I'm going to do uh, a pickup as well as a little bit more focusing on the on the picking up. What I'm going to pick up as a spiritual discipline uh, this this year as opposed to just what I'm going to fast. So I've got this great book from Pauline Press uh, called The Enchiridion on the Family, and it's a compendium of church teaching on family and life issues from Vatican II to the present. And I have this thing just as a, a, a reference book because, you know, it's got a uh, uh, Mulieris Dignitatum, it's got Humana Vitae, Familias Consortio, and, and just about everything else you can imagine uh, that that I've just kind of used it as, oh, hey, I need to do some research on a specific thing. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to do that research. I'm going to find that quote and then I'm going to be done with it. Uh, but I think what I'm going to do during Lent this year is I am going to just read through it. I'm going to take the time and and delve into what the church has given us in terms of uh, life issues, in terms of family issues. I've also got over here sitting right next to it, I've got my... Uh, paperback copy, which I just got, of Amoris Laetitia. I've, I've read it online, but you can't really make notes very well online. So what I'm going to do is I've got this started with my pen underlining stuff. So I'm going to spend some time in church documents a little bit more uh, intentionally this Lent as a part of my spiritual reading.
Maybe you want to pick up some spiritual reading as well, but you don't know where to start. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked with Vicki Burbach about her brand new book, uh, How to Read Your Way to Heaven, uh, available on Sophia Institute Press. And I, you know, if you haven't gotten that yet and you're looking for a way to, uh, to invest yourself this Lent, why don't you go get that book? Why don't you spend some time, uh, beginning some spiritual reading to develop your, your life as a disciple? You know, we, we get so, uh, used to going to Mass, right? We get used to the the routine of going to Mass on Sunday or of, uh, you know, maybe you're involved in a small group there at your church as well. Um, but we don't know how to break out of that and, and really develop our spiritual lives to a place where we become disciples, where we uh, interact with Christ on that level uh, of, the, of the saints, of the mystics, of those people who really had a relationship uh, with Christ where Christ would speak to them and they would speak back and they would have a dialogue uh, between themselves and with God that was ongoing. And we have our prayers. You know, we have the moments where we sit down and we pray and we ask God for something and maybe we feel his presence. But, but do we really have that ongoing continual dialogue? If you do, that's excellent. Come and talk to me about how you do it, right? If you've got that continual dialogue, that's what the spiritual life is all about. So here we are coming into Lent. This is a time where we look at our weaknesses. We look at the fact that we're not the saints that we're supposed to be in perfection, right? We we notice those things that we keep going back to confession for over and over again. We notice again that, yes, Christ is about to die for us, and boy, howdy, do we need it, right? And so as we come into this season of Lent, pick up some discipline. I'm going to do this spiritual reading that we just talked about. Uh, maybe for you, it's going to be going to adoration or maybe praying a decade. Maybe you need to start with praying a decade of the rosary every day, just five minutes worth of prayer. Maybe that's a big step for you. Well, I encourage you to pick it up. Find some, some way that you can devote yourself uh, to developing your spiritual life during this season of Lent. You know, I think I'm going to give away a book this week. I'm going to give away a book on social media. This is for all of my listeners, not just friends of the show. Of course, friends of the show are those people who donate $10 a month uh, because they want to see the work of Outside the Walls continue, and they become eligible for all kinds of giveaways and, and extra content and things like that. You can find out more information about becoming a friend of the show out over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Uh, but this week, this is a giveaway for anyone who will come over to my social media, Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls, or on Twitter, the handle is at OutsideTheWalls. I'm going to give away the book by uh, Peter Kreeft, How to Be Holy. A Festooning of Abandonment to Divine Providence, First Steps to Becoming a Saint. This is from Ignatius Press. All I want to know is what are you going to do this Lent? What is your spiritual practice? What are you going to fast? What are you going to pick up? Uh, and I will pick from among those people who comment, I will pick a winner and get this book by uh, Peter Kreeft right out to you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be talking with, uh, with Matt Swain just after the break about his understanding of the Lenten fast, where it came from, what its purpose is, and how it can help us today. Much more right after here. Go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter the handles at outside the walls. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you are here with us today. As always, we got a great show for you today, but today, even more so than normal, because we have the venerable Matt Swaim, co-creator and former host of the Sunrise Morning Show. Currently, he is working with the uh, the Coming Home Network from his his. Uh, palatial offices in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where he oversees and uh, is a watchdog for governmental... No, 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 no. Not, not <laughs> that at all. Glad to not have yet. you here today, Matt. Hey, thanks, Mr. Putnam. Thanks uh, so much for having me on your show. It's always great to be on Breadbox Media Programs. So here we are. We're talking today about uh, Lent because that's right around the corner. I don't, you know, we, we lucked out this year because... Lent, as you know, is a movable feast. Uh, and this year, we were actually able to buy Valentine's candies for our for our wife because it's a really yes. bad thing. It's a hard thing when Ash Wednesday falls before Valentine's Day. You got to stick to the flowers. Yeah. You got to stick to the flowers. Yeah, when Ash Wednesday falls before Valentine's Day, of course, Lent, a time of fasting. You try not to overindulge mm -hmm. uh, in the things that... Uh, you know, you normally overindulge in, uh, you know, for me, you know, an ice cream cake, um, right now, you know, the delicacy that I'm currently sipping on cherry Coke zero, you know, things like that. You sort of, you sort of cut back on those things, uh, yeah. uh for 40 days. And of course today we're going to talk about why that is. Why do, why do we give things up? Why do we, what's the whole purpose of the Lenten fast? Uh, and I'm doing that because really we, we spend so much time preparing for, Easter, uh, but many times we don't really prepare to have a good Lent, right? It just right. kind of it kind of hits us. Everybody goes to church on Ash Wednesday, even though it's not a holy day of obligation. But it's it's like uh, it's like those days at the ballpark where they give things out. You know, this is one of those it's days like you go to church. Day. You go to church and you get something. You get the ashes on your head, and everybody stares at you all day long. So uh, everyone goes. Uh, that's coming up this Wednesday. Just in case you forgot about it, maybe you missed church a couple of weeks and and didn't know it was coming, it's here. This this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Uh, and so what do you do to to prepare for a, a good Lent? Well, first, let's understand what Lent even is. So uh, explain to us, Matt Swain, explain to us the, the histories uh, the, of why we have the practice of Lent and, and well, how Lent, that plays into yeah. what you're doing today. Well, Lent goes back. I mean, it goes back. Uh, Easter is a lot older than Christmas in terms of like the broad celebration on the church calendar. And this period of 40 days leading up to Easter, uh, you know, the idea is that you just like you don't go run a marathon without warming up a little bit. You know, you don't go into Easter without, you know, kind of preparing yourself a little bit. And uh, the church uh, early on decided to have a period of about 40 days. Why uh, 40? Up to that. That's an interesting question, aside from the fact that that's the uh, size that malt liquor bottles usually are or the number of spaces <laughs> on a Monopoly board or the age at with which life begins, Tim. Uh, <laughs> um, 40 has a lot of significance in the Bible. So mm -hmm. uh, we got the 40 days and 40 nights. It rained. Right. Right. In uh, the, the story of Noah and the ark and what's happening there. The sin is being swept from the face of the earth and the newness of creation beginning with Noah, okay. right? You got the 40 years of wandering in the desert uh, after the Israelites are freed from the slavery of Egypt and, you know, 
welcomed into the promised land, right? This time of transition, this time of death into new life. Um, so 40s, 40s in there uh, for those uh, particular biblical reasons. We also um, have it in the prophets. You have uh, Elijah had yes. to, fasted for 40 days, right? You've got Moses, uh, I believe. He's on, the, he's on Sinai for 40 days right, when he he's gets on, the Ten Commandments. And then you've got, you've got Jesus himself who went into the wilderness the after his baptism, went into the wilderness for 40 days before he began his ministry, right? So, On top of that, Tim, you've got how many kids? Uh, well, I have six with one on the way. Six with one on the way. How long is your wife pregnant? How many weeks? <laughs> well, it depends on how you count it. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, but, if you count it from— wise what's the traditional length? They, they, say, weeks, right? they say it's 40. Right. But for so those first two that. weeks, you're not really pregnant. Right. So, so, but, but the idea being that this is, you know, what's, what's the, this new life, Mm -hmm. right? New life going on. So in all those instances we just mentioned, it's a time of preparation, uh, for new life. So that's really kind of what, you know, a good way to think about Lent heading into Easter because Easter is the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like anything, if you're getting ready, uh, we'll just say, for example, for a baby, you kind of got to clean up the house a little bit. Yeah, you what? just got to do that. <laughs> um, you know, you got to put. You know, you you have to you have to start acting uh, a little bit differently. Well, uh, there's, and there's nesting. You you get things ready. Even, even with us, we you know we have we have six children that we're raising in this home, and even still, there comes a period where you're like, okay, we we have to get this section of the house ready for the child. Yeah, and uh, you have to be quieter in the house, you know, things like that. I don't know what house you're in. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> you have to say, be quiet more. Yeah. Um, but all this uh, is is to say that the, we're, we're kind of training our souls. Uh, we're preparing our souls. I mean, we just got out of Advent. We, we've got kind of like preparation still mm. in the back of our minds a little bit. And uh, for – for early Christians, this was a big deal because this was the time, you know, as the church itself celebrates the resurrection and new life in, uh, of Christ, uh, they're preparing to welcome people into the church through baptism into new life in Christ. I mean, this was the traditional baptism date for the church mm-hmm. um, because, uh, again, why not, while we're all celebrating salvation as a church, why don't we bestow it? <laughs> right. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, Let's let's make this party as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's make this fast as serious as possible, so we can make the party as uh, you know festive as possible, um, as it were. And we we have records of this uh, going back. I mean, Ambrose talks about the forty uh, days of preparation. Augustine talks about it. He actually even compares it to Olympic training. Uh, Saint Augustine does. Uh, so well, this is a, this is this goes back. And if you look at the way that the the early church and, and still the Eastern church fasted, it, it really makes sense what they mean by Olympic training. Because, I mean, we give up chocolate and, and soda and maybe uh, social media interaction, and they give up like almost everything. Yeah. Right? The, there's, no, there's no fat. There's no milk. There's, uh, the, the ba- they're basically vegan for a, a great portion of the year, uh, but not just because they, they care for the animals and, and there's some political thing behind it. This is, for their faith, they're giving up basically worldly pleasures. 
and getting them out of the house uh, right. traditionally is is what uh, you know the Christians would do. Not just don't eat them, get them out of your house. Mm-hmm. So on if Ash Wednesday is coming up next week, then on Tuesday we're going to use up everything that we can't eat during Lent. Uh, we'll we'll use up all the say fat. Gosh, <laughs> right? what what can we do? What can we make that has a lot of milk and a lot of butter and a lot of hmm. I'm going to say pancakes. Pancakes. Thanks. I could do Which pancakes. is the tradition of Pancake Tuesday, right? Or cake in general, right? right? A king cake. So uh, Fat Tuesday, this- of course. Fat Tuesday is not Fat Tuesday because we're going to be gluttonous. It's yeah. Fat Tuesday because we're going to use up the fat in the house so that That's it's right. gone for Wednesday. It's also your last day that you're allowed to be fat. So... I really have you discovered how to to lose all that weight in one day? No, I have not. Uh, and when I do, I'm going to be a publishing, uh, you know, <laughs> icon. But I I want to point something out here too. Uh, why we give things up? Mm-hmm. It is not because things are bad. Right. Right. This is an important distinction. This is very much a difference between Christ- Christianity and say Eastern religions. We don't give up things because things are bad. We give up things because Things are good, and we want to have a proper relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for instance, I mean, tacos are tacos are good. I believe that God, you know, <laughs> created us with ingenuity and creative capability, and tacos are one of the better things that we've come up with. But in order to have a proper relationship with tacos, you can't just go and eat, you know. 10 Doritos Locos Tacos in a sitting and feel like you have a proper relationship with tacos. No, you, you, you hold off from them to show your appreciation for them. As a matter of fact, there's a great quote from G.K. Chesterton. He says, we thank God for beer and burgundy by not having too much of them. Hmm. <laughs> you know, when I think of uh, proper relationships, uh, I, I think of because we fast— because we deny ourselves these good things that we hunger for, right? And we, we you know, think, hey, man, I could really go for a taco right now. And what do you know? It's Tuesday. Uh, so it's appropriate. But I'm going to give that up because there's something else that I should hunger for more. And I'm going to use that hunger that I'm experiencing to focus myself on that which is more important uh, to hunger and thirst for those things uh, of God, Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great way of thinking of things, and also you know just back on this proper relationship with things. Have you ever eaten so much of a particular thing that you think to yourself uh, afterwards that the very sight or smell of that thing causes revulsion in me? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Uh, so so your improper relationship with it. Um, your overindulgence uh, doesn't cause you to appreciate it more. It causes you to appreciate it less. I mean, this is, gosh, well, let's just take sexual sin. Uh, you know, for example, how many people have said that porn destroys marriages? Not because, you know, it doesn't enliven them, right? It's this unhealthy relationship with sexuality causes them instead to uh, have an improper and even fatigued taste for sexuality in its proper context. Mm-hmm. So that's just like a couple examples off the top of our heads. Right. We're going to continue this conversation now that we've got you hooked right after this break. Why don't you join the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handles at outside the walls. We're going to keep talking with Matt Swain right after this break as we talk about Ash Wednesday and Lent. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you are still here. Uh, we're talking today with Matt Swaim, former uh, host and co-creator of the Sunrise Morning Show, currently out of his DC offices with uh, the Coming Home Network. And we're talking about uh, Lent and why we give things up and how we keep a proper relationship and and uh, really the church has called these our appetites. It's not just the church. Philosophies call these our appetites. We think of appetite and we think of, uh, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry for something, right? But the philosophy, we talk about the sexual appetite, and we talk about uh, the appetite for food. We talk about appetite for, for leisure and for pleasure, that the, our very desire for these things, whatever it happens to be, is called an appetite. And just like with food, we have to be in control of our appetites and not let our appetites be in control of us. Right? It's the whole thing of being able to enjoy alcohol uh, or being enslaved by alcohol. And that has to do with our proper relationship to it. Are we able to, to exercise that fruit of the Spirit that God's given us of self-control? And so that comes to the point of fasting in the church. The church gives us feasts, for instance. Easter's coming up not too far away. And we're going to feast, if you're doing it right, for 50 days right? 50 days where we just go whole hog. Uh, and of course, we always at Easter growing up had uh, pork uh, because my mom was like, hey, we are freed from the law by Jesus Christ. We're having pork, right? So uh, no kosher for Easter uh, in our home, home growing up. Uh, but yeah, we, we have 50 days of fasting. But to prepare for that, for yes, 50 days of feasting. But to prepare for that, we're going to have 40 days of a fast where we deny ourselves good things uh, in order that we can have the best thing. And that is uh, a, a relationship, a close relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're talking about Swain. We're talking about Lent. And let's talk, you're working with Coming Home Network right now. You've got a whole bunch of people every day that you're talking with who are looking to entering into full communion with the church. And Lent is kind of that final home stretch for them. Some of them have been really trying to get into the church. For me, it was a 10-year journey. Uh, and, and really, uh, uh, probably about a year-long journey of really longing to be into the church before I was able to, because I had, uh, I had to get a job, right? I had to provide for myself since I was no longer going to be working in the Protestant church. So you're experiencing this. You've got guys that are on their, uh, guys, men and women, who are on their home stretch into the church. Talk about what you've seen in their experience and in your own experience when you came into the church with this Lenten season. Well, I like the idea that, that you've brought up, uh, you know, refocusing our hungers mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in, the, in the previous segment. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really starting to feel that hunger for the Eucharist uh, now that they can sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel. There's, you know, you always, uh, as, as someone who's on that journey uh, and I, mine was a 10 year journey as well. Think to yourself, you know, it's kind of a bummer that I'm not up there receiving communion with, you know, with other people or, or that I'm, it's kind of a bummer. I can't receive communion in the Catholic church, but once you're in, uh, RCIA and in the home stretch of Lent, that hunger really becomes acute, yeah. uh, for you. It did for me at least, um, uh, to really want to be a part of what's going on. And I think that's, uh, part of the genius of the church 
kind of saying, all right, we're going to we're going to treat you a little bit special in the context of the liturgy right. uh, as people who are who are uh, on deck, as it were, to receive it by bringing you up front. And uh, I don't want to say making an example of you, <laughs> but but of, uh, you know, dismissing you for a special formation to really uh, help you get into um, a real understanding and a real hunger and real desire uh, to be a part of what the rest of us here who are confirmed are a part of every time uh, we celebrate Mass. Well, I think this is important because the church doesn't do anything for show, right? We're not saying, hey, look at all these people we got. Come right on up. And No, the, the church puts before our attention in the liturgy those things which are important for our formation as a body, right? So what do we see? We see uh, the Word and the sacrament. We see the Word of God proclaimed, and then we see the Word of God in Christ, sacrificed in the Eucharist. And then, as you said, during this season, we have the people of God who are coming into communion put in front of us and really kind of, in some ways, put on trial, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we bless them in a very specific way. And by doing so, as we're preparing them with that... Uh, that election with that, there's lots of different blessings that go on, the different scrutinies that go on. We're saying, one, uh, these are the things that are expected of, of you coming into the church. But it's also a reminder to all of those people who are the people of God that these things are expected of you too. You are a holy people. These people up here are getting anointed and they're getting blessed and their hands are getting blessed and their lips are getting blessed so that they will do the work of Christ and speak the work of Christ. And guess what? This same thing happened to you and it's expected of you too. Well, what happens at every baby baptism mm -hmm. and what happens at every uh, baptism of an adult at the Easter vigil, uh, those people up front are called to say, do you renounce Satan and all his pumps and all his empty promises? And then the priest turns around, what's he do to us? He makes us say those same things. Right. Oh, remember, right. So, remember this? Do you remember this uh, part? Yeah. Hey, what about you? Guys you? Are, you guys are on the hook for this too. <laughs> uh, so it's never, you know, salvation is never just this one isolated individualistic thing in the context of the church. You know, it's always meant to be something. I mean, we're a Christ's body. We're not just like thumbs and like <laughs> toenails and stuff just like out on our own. Uh, right. We are part of this mystical body. And that's huge. And, you know, what, what, also, uh, what also comes to mind here is this idea of sponsorship because sponsorship actually uh, of these – the candidates and catechumens, uh, goes back to the early church too. Um, the idea that somebody is kind of looking out and making sure that this person is getting formed right, that they know th what they're getting into. I mean, we don't deal as much with things like this today. We deal with different sorts of things. We deal with Amoris Laetitia things uh, right. today. But uh, in the early church, they'd be like, yeah, so uh, I know you want to become a Christian. We're going to really have to have a heart to heart about your whole gladiator job because <laughs> you're going to have to drop that. Uh, you know, I know that you're running, you know, Josephus's uh, idols and sundries. You're going to have to stop selling those idols, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, things like that. Uh, in the in the contemporary uh, situation, you know, we talk to people sometimes who uh, have to have that tough conversation with their fiance where they say, as they're getting ready into the church, you know what? We're gonna have to live as brother and sister, yeah, until we get this thing, you know, officialized, mm -hmm. <laughs> sacramentalized, uh, and 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 checking up and making sure that the people who are coming into the church 
A, know what they're getting into, and B, are acting right now like they should be acting as baptized uh, Christians, as baptized and confirmed Catholics. And that's why mystagogy was also part of the early church's catechumenate. Not only are you formed up to your baptism and confirmation, you are also kind of walked with in those early days now that you are receiving the Eucharist regularly so to make sure that you know what you're uh, you're getting into as someone who's actually now participating and that you're still continuing to be formed. That formation is a lifestyle. That formation doesn't just stop mm-hmm. once you get the sacraments. Now, let's talk about we, – we're talking about giving things up, and we've talked about giving up even lifestyle things. But the point of Lent, the point of conversion, we'll start using that term, both when you're coming into the church and then as we continue, because we're called a continual conversion, to live a life that is moving us more towards sanctity so that in the end we can be saints. That's the goal. It's not just about fasting and giving things up. We do give things up, but we also pick things up, right? We lay things down and we pick things up. We don't just lay down sweets and muscle our way through it so we can lay down sweets. We don't lay down fat so we can lay down uh, those, those appetites. We don't lay down bad habits so that we can just muscle through and lay down habits. We do them so that they can drive us toward sanctity. So if you're going to put something down, let's say that you're going to put down certain kinds of reading that may be good, that may not be good, uh, pick up a different kind of reading. Start a spiritual reading practice. Uh, Maybe you're going to put down uh, certain things of food. Every time that you hunger for that food, let that drive you to prayer and then pray that God would give you good uh, and ordered appetites, right? So the season of Lent is not just about denying ourselves. It's about ordering ourselves toward the kingdom of God. Well, that's why the three-legged stool of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving Mm -hmm. is you can't, during Lent, those things can't be kind of isolated from one another. So you give up something which frees you to give something mm-hmm. and give it in the spirit of prayer. So uh, a perfect example. So I'm going to perhaps for Lent, this is just one idea, go through my stuff, go through my clothing specifically mm-hmm. and think to myself, what can I live without in my closet? What's right. something I haven't worn in three or four months uh, that I could, I could easily live without, that it wouldn't be that hurtful for me to give up. Right. And not only am I going to take it away from myself, I'm going to give it to someone else. I'm going to head down to St. Vincent de Paul and uh, give it to their, you know, thrift shop. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to say, Lord, I don't know who's going to receive this shirt or this blazer or this sport coat, but I just want to pray that this would be the right, uh, you know, find for them at a time in their life when they really need, uh, you know, I'm not going to say classy things. Really need this old Metallica <laughs> shirt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but whatever it is, uh, to pray for the person who's going to eventually receive that thing. I mean, it's so easy to tie those things together if you just take a little bit of time and think about it. We're talking with Matt Swain today from the Coming Home Network about our Linton practices. It's coming right up. Ash Wednesday is this Wednesday. It's upon us. We're going to continue this conversation. Why don't you go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Tell me a little bit about what you're contemplating for your Lenten practice this year. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. So glad that you're here. We had a conversation today with Matt Swaim, uh, former co-host and creator, co-creator of the Sunrise Morning Show, currently working with the Coming Home Network, chnetwork.org, specifically for people who uh, are leaving uh, the, the Protestant ministry or, or, or some sense of having been uh, in Protestant leadership and are coming into the Catholic Church. If you know someone like that, why don't you send them over to chnetwork.org uh, for all of the many resources they have available there. So we're talking today about Lent, about the uh, the Lenten fast as we prepare for Easter, that we give things up, right? That we, we lay down things that maybe are good, uh, but are not the best, that so that we can focus on the best. Or sometimes we do lay down things that are bad. Maybe we've got bad habits and practices that we need to say, hey, this is a good time to lay those things down and move forward uh, in sanctity. So we lay things down and we also pick things up. We've got fasting, which is the giving things up, prayer and almsgiving, which are both picking up good practices so that we can, uh, we can, take that journey, that ongoing conversion towards sanctity. If you missed any part of that interview, uh, don't worry, you can still get to it. We've got them all archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Go over there and click on that episode archive and find the week. You can listen to it again, share it, or even subscribe so that you can continue to get those things straight to your smartphone or podcast aggregator. So we're focusing this week, even though it's Saturday, uh, we're focusing this week on Ash Wednesday is that beginning of the Lenten season. And so this is one of those rare occasions where we're going to uh, co-opt uh, or, or rather preempt the readings that we normally do. We normally have our readings from the Saturday. Uh, we're going to instead do a, a kind of a preview, a prequel of Ash Wednesday, where we're going to read a reading from from that liturgy, from the Ash Wednesday liturgy. And then also a, a beautiful reading from the breviary. So let's go ahead and, and approach Scripture together. And this is the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is talking to the Corinthians, encouraging them uh, not to receive the grace of God in vain. Here he says, Brothers and sisters, we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who did not know sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Working together then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I heard you, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. And behold, now is a very acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, we, we're always looking for the right time to do the right thing. Well, gosh, you know, everything's going to fall into place, and, and then I'll start to exercise, and then I'll start uh, to do spiritual reading, and then I'll start to do whatever it is that's positive as soon as everything lines up. And this is not a new thing. This is human nature. And this is why Paul says very clearly, listen, now's the time, people. Do it. Do it now. Take today. Today is the day. And that's especially true as we come to Ash Wednesday, as we approach that season of Lent. Make this the time 
that you reconcile to God. Make this the time that you focus on those habitual sins and and ask for the grace to overcome them and and pick up spiritual practices that will help you get out of that rut. Uh, Everyone has something, right? Uh, Everyone has that thing that we keep going to confession for and we keep saying, oh God, this time I mean it. Well, take, take this time. Right now, as we enter into Lent, take this time to have that be your focus, to repent of that, and to ask God to, to clean that out of you, to, to cleanse you from that sin, and to bring you into righteousness in that area of your life. So here we are, we're reading uh, a letter from a letter to the Corinthians. Again, we're going to the Corinthians, but this is by St. Clement I, Pope and Martyr. And he says this, let us, and, and he says this both to the Corinthians, and he says it to us, let us fix our attention on the blood of Christ and recognize how precious it is to God his Father, since it was shed for our salvation and brought the grace of repentance to all the world. If we review the various ages of history, we will see that in every generation the Lord has offered the opportunity of repentance to any who are willing to turn to him. When Noah preached God's message of repentance, all who listened to him were saved. Jonah told the Ninevites that they were going to be destroyed, but when they repented— Their prayers gained God's forgiveness for their sins, and they were saved, even though they were not of God's people. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the ministers of God's grace have spoken of repentance. Indeed, the master of the whole universe himself spoke of repentance with an oath. As I live, says the Lord, I do not wish the death of the sinner, but his repentance. He added this evidence of his goodness. House of Israel, repent of your wickedness. Tell the sons of my people, if their sins should reach from earth to heaven, if they are brighter than scarlet and blacker than sackcloth, you only need to turn to me with your whole heart and say, Father, and I will listen to you as a holy people. In other words, God wanted all his beloved ones to have the opportunity to repent, and he confirmed this desire by his own almighty will. That is why we should obey his sovereign and glorious will and prayerfully entreat his mercy and kindness. We should be suppliant before him and turn to his compassion, rejecting empty works and quarreling and jealousy, which only lead to death. Brothers, we should be humble in mind, putting aside arrogance, pride, and foolish anger. Rather, we should act in accordance with the scriptures. As the Holy Spirit says, the wise man must not glory in his wisdom, nor the strong man in his strength, nor the rich man in his riches. Rather, let him who glories... Glory in the Lord by seeking him and doing what is right and just. Recall especially what the Lord Jesus said when he taught gentleness and forbearance. Be merciful, he said, so that you may have mercy shown to you. Forgive so that you may be forgiven. As you treat others, so you will be treated. As you give, so you will receive. As you judge, so you will be judged. As you are kind to others, so will you be treated kindly. The measure of your giving will be the measure of your receiving. Let these commandments and precepts strengthen us to live in humble obedience to his sacred words. As scripture asks, Whom shall I look upon with favor except the humble, peaceful man who trembles at my words? Sharing then in the heritage of so many vast and glorious achievements, Let us hasten toward the goal of peace, set before us from the beginning. Let us keep our eyes firmly fixed on the Father and Creator of the whole universe, and hold fast to His splendid 
and transcendent gifts of peace and all his blessings. That reading comes from St. Clement I, a letter to the Corinthians. And I want to talk to you a little bit. He, he brings this up at the end here. He, he talks about working towards peace. Let us keep our eyes firmly fixed on the Father and Creator. Uh, as I've been on social media, which I often am, I, I've noticed just this real trend lately, specifically since the election, to be right. People are very interested in being right. And because they're right, everyone else is wrong, right? Uh, And so you have people on both sides of the political aisle who are just very uh, riled up, almost vicious in the sense that it is a vice, right? Uh, And so here we have people who are who are so concerned with their correctness uh, that they are behaving in a way that obviously is not from God, right? God does ask us to stand up for those things that are right, but he never does so in a way that denies the, uh, the, the dignity of the person to whom we're speaking. And so as we approach this, this Lent and this Easter, I want to encourage you, uh, spend some time, I'm not going to tell you to get off social media because I'm not going to, but I want to, I want to encourage you to examine the way in which you use social media, the way in which you react and interact with people who disagree with you. Uh, I was looking around the web, the web as I am wont to do, and I was over at newadvent.com. Uh, it's a little news aggregator, blog aggregator uh, of Catholic things that are most of the time pretty excellent. And I found this wonderful piece by Bishop Robert Barron over on uh, the wordonfire.org. Uh, that was on February 21st. And he basically, he goes back to the, the phrase from uh, Evangeli Nutiandi, which says that the world is more in need of witnesses than it is of teachers, that the world listens to witnesses more than it listens to teachers. A teacher is that person who has the right answer. A witness is that person who lives the right answer. And the basic thrust of this this. Uh, blog by Bishop Barron is that the world right now, the world is in need of more of saints than it is of right answers. That right answers are important, but the world needs saints right now. And so I want to encourage you this, this Lent to really examine your life, to say not just, am I, am I doing things correctly? Do I have the right answers? Am I, uh, am I, accepting the doctrine of the church uh, and and submitting to the church's wisdom. That's important. Absolutely. We should have right doctrine. But then ask yourself, am I a saint? Am I doing things right now that are helping me towards sanctity? Or am I doing things right now that make me, if I get to be a saint, people are going to look and say, oh, that's one of the curmudgeonly saints, right? <laughs> I want to be the kind of saint that people look to and say, I want to be like that. I, I see that life, I see that lifestyle, I see that connection with God and that prayer life, and I want that. That's the kind of saint I want to be. I, I encourage you and I invite you to join me this Lenten season to pursue that kind of sanctity along with me. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.